0: Good evening everyone and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers and as always I'm joined by my good buddy Michael Daniels and we have a special guest in the studio with us this week,
1: special guest Geek Scholar Fox. Hi Dennis, hi Mike. Hey Fox, how's it going buddy? Doing well, gentlemen. How are you two? right.
2: it's a beautiful day out here in the Midwest. What's life like out there on the East Coast?
1: It's been rainy but getting a little bit uh getting a little bit sunnier day by day here in good old capital of the USA, Washington DC. Mike, you, oh, yeah.
0: you ruined my illusion. I said he was in the studio with us.
1: Oh, yeah, well, he is on the <laughs> internet
0: studio. How's that?
1: I'm in my own studio.
0: Well, I'm in A
1: studio. Right.
0: Mm, there you go. There you go.
2: So, did you uh Fox, I know that we kind of had you on we we had planned on you to Uh, have it till like, I don't know, some way midweek. But we had, uh, I think Dennis sent you on our weekly challenges. Did you get a chance to get in on that weekly challenge?
1: I certainly did. And I felt really wonderful to watch what happened to Monday on a Monday because my day was completely shot mm. to hell, but I did get a chance to watch <laughs> the entire film on Netflix and I was C- completely, unintended. I know, but it was kind of, cool. it was kind of wonderful. Um, it was, it was very, it was very meta in its own way. So I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hey Dennis, why don't you give us a quick recap for everybody that uh, about a synopsis about what the, the show is?
0: Okay, well, um, as I explained uh, last week when we when we set up the challenge, uh, this is a film set in a dystopian future, uh, twenty seventy three, I believe, is the year, where um, at some point, well, thirty years before, so twenty forty three, they decide some some people in charge decide that the Earth is overpopulated and. Genetically modifying food to try and feed everybody has just multiplied birth rates, and the only way that they can get that under control is to restrict families to one child per family. It's not a not a new idea. I think the first place I saw it was maybe I want to say fifth element, but I could be completely wrong about that. Um,
1: you are you know, completely yeah, wrong about that as the movie what, expert. <laughs> <one I'm laughs>
0: it's something something similar with like people living in apartments in Skysburg, which is also not a new thing from like uh, genre uh, Brazil and and all of those all those eighties sci-fi films. But um a an an unseen woman mother has uh subtuplets, identical subtuplets who are raised by their grandfather to live in hiding and each of them gets to go out under an assumed identity one day a week and they're all named under after the days of the week. And um, the as as in as is stated in the title, the woman named Monday goes missing, and it's a story about what happens to the other six sisters as they try to figure out what is going on. So, yeah, what uh, Mike? What did you What did you think? What are your impressions? Um,
2: I liked it. I mean, I had to say, I felt. So this is, again, as we always say, a nice little um, preface here uh, with spoiler. There's all sports of spoilers. We're going to speak openly. So if you haven't seen uh, the, the show then, and you want to see it, then skip forward. Um, I, I felt it was pretty pre- I, pause, Yeah, on Pause Netflix. your
0: phone, go watch it, and then come back.
2: Yeah. And it's, only, it's a show, so it's only like two hours, if that. Um, I, I felt it was pretty predictable. I will say that. I mean, it was fun because it was just like an entertaining little thing, but I kind of about, I don't know, a quarter the way through, maybe a third, I I realized, oh, I know what happened to Monday. She's because everybody, (laughs) everybody else is dying. And then. So there are.
0: Yeah. So there, there are basically two twists. Were, Were either of those surprising to you?
2: uh the twist of monday was not oh oh the the kids thing i didn't think so either i i knew that they there's no way that they were storing those kids and, and <laughs> cryo freezing <'cause>, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't think they were burning them alive like that or but <laughs> geez, right right I got, I got pretty hardcore
1: yeah i'm What's gonna it? agree with you mike i mean i i i watched this um in pieces actually so i i, I commute down into the city and I watched like maybe like 40 minutes or so um, on the way and I will tell you I was probably kind of enthralled by the whole thing because I had no idea what this movie was about. Um, Dennis contacted me last night and said, hey, by the way, you, know, you need to see this for tomorrow. Gave me, <laughs> gave me homework at the zero hour, which I loved because because I, I got to watch a movie and it's un- it's unlike anything I ever usually do where I had no idea what it was about. I hadn't seen a trailer, hadn't read a synopsis. I didn't know – I thought Monday was the day, and so I didn't even know it was about a person or there, or, or Naomi Rapace was going to be playing herself seven times over. So I was kind of like – kind of into it. And then I stopped and I went into my office and I sat down at my desk for like 10 minutes and I thought, oh – Okay, I know where this is going, <laughs> and so like, I wonder if i hadn't had taken that pause if i hadn 't thought right. about it too hard uh, i wouldn 't have i wouldn 't have uh, come up with the obvious answer. I agree with you, Mike, um, you know the Monday twist was kind of uh, writing was on the wall. I agree that I did not think that they were murdering children, but I kept thinking to myself, how are they going to end this like i couldn 't come up with in my own mind you know they present this problem of overpopulation. And not that I thought their solution was a good one, but I thought reversing it also wouldn't solve the problem. So I kept wondering in the back of my head, I'm like, how are they going to wrap this up with a nice, neat bow?
2: Right. Uh, And they really didn't. I mean, I guess they kind of did, right? They, They just said, oh, well. You can have kids now. You can have babies.
1: Yeah, but then, if that's the answer, then good luck. Yeah, but then, I mean, I was, okay. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this because if that's the that is how the movie ends, which is sweet in that, yay, no more baby killing. I'm all for that. I'm pro, 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 <laughs> right. not baby killing. But if the huge setup of the movie was the overpopulation issue, which was presented in a rather interesting and logical way, mm-hmm. <laughs> the ending is just like, well, we're all we're all doomed. Yeah, so <laughs> good luck. luck.
0: As as I as I said last week, this um this movie was on uh um Betsy, Mike Trotsky's wife, was watching it one time when I was there. I think maybe Zahn was with us, and we were playing a game in the kitchen while this movie was on in the other room, and so I would look up occasionally to sort of see what was going on, but you know, so then I just had kind of a kind of a brief overview and I knew sort of a, a vague idea of how it ended, but I was missing some pieces in between. And so None of it really surprised me. Um, I think from the point when it's revealed that a large transfer of money happened somewhere, I was like, "Oh, Monday betrayed them." Okay, oh, that's yeah. that's that, that that that's what happened. Yeah, um, I mean, as,
2: as soon but, as the 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 guy that uh, didn't get promoted or whatever revealed himself, I, I'm almost positive that's when I knew right away what was going right, on. Right,
0: right, exactly, and. Yeah, I mean, I had sort of the same similar reaction to it sounds like Fox, which you had in the whole most of the the whole third act. I I sat there going, what kind of what kind of group that has the power necessary to enact and and enforce something like this (laughs) um, um, pursues this solution? Like with that kind of power, what? could they have done instead that would actually solve the problem instead of this like, um, um, population. Murder, spree, genocide, yeah.
1: Genocide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this too. What did they think their end game was? They really think you would no one would ever like when they, someone says like, if the world got better and they're like, Hey, Hey, we can bring all yeah. these siblings back. Yeah. Okay. Unfreeze them.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, What's yeah. what's the next? What's the reaction to that? That's where I was like, I don't know. Like, how do you yeah, hide? Right. It, it reminds this? me a little bit. I don't bit, know. <laughs> um, I mean,
0: did, again, did, did either of you see the movie Idiocracy?
1: I don't believe. Yes, so. I did. Where, with the great Terry Crews.
0: And um, is it Luke Wilson? It is Luke I think, Wilson. I think is that like they freeze him. The, the military freezes him because he's the most average person they can find. And then some point in the future, um, society has gotten so stupid that he comes out of being frozen and he's now the smartest man alive, right? Because Americans are dumb. Poor people are dumb. There's all these horrible, like social commentary that they're doing. And it was like, I don't know. It seemed like an interesting idea with some promise But like you get into the second act or halfway through the movie and you're like, yeah, this is this is not interesting. Like it just didn't deliver on on the promise of its idea of its concept.
1: Well, I will say I think this movie is trying to be. A little less preachy, and I thought I—I I mean, the way I see this is, someone said, "Wouldn't it be interesting if Naomi replace played herself seven times over?" I mean, I and I thought she. Uh, let's yeah. talk a little bit about about her acting because I was slightly impressed. Some of the some of the days of the week got. Uh, muddled in my brain, but eventually, right. I have to admit I was able to differentiate. Oh, that's Thursday, and oh, that's Saturday. Sure, right. And they had to use a lot of tropes to do that. But and I was a little annoyed by that at that first. But I thought, oh, that's a pretty clever way of making I mean, sure I could works. keep, yeah, I could keep track of them. And I thought Rapace did a good job with that. What do you guys think?
2: I I think yeah I thought that that was good I was actually going to say one of the the best things about this show was that we we have the whole one character playing many people throughout history of TV shows and movies but this one was really seamless I didn't get at all that they were looking at sight lines or that they were or she was looking in different ways and not interacting and or that the cameras doing tricks so that it didn't have to show that multiple versions because it didn't all the times they were always sharing scenes with multiple and the camera didn't when it didn't have to could have done some over the shoulder stuff. It literally did include them. And I thought that was really, really great. And um, the actress just kind of, you know, nailed it on all parts. Now uh, to address the uh, like tropes thing, (sighs) that was a little annoying to me. Um, Well, first off, you notice they killed off the ones that were all like, a baseline that were like they all kind of look <laughs> the same they kill those off early and yeah they're like
1: oh we, we no one's gonna be able to tell you to You your dead net. yeah
2: they, that's right they kill those off quick and then and then they was left with the ones that were unique the blonde the the nerdy one with the glasses the the short-haired girl um the muscle mm-hmm. girl who who had super big muscles and like the the halter top the whole time um right so you know that was pretty annoying to me but that i wasn't too bothered because my whole take on the show at that point had already resigned itself to just enjoying it there yeah. as you had mm-hmm. said that yeah. the premise was so too much to me like okay i could just nail holes in this thing all over the place and <laughs> um and then and then i just if i let it get to my head at that point <laughs> you know there's a point where it just snaps you're like okay that's not what this is about you know why, why don't they the biggest thing was they sent those three assassin killers to go kill them all. Right. And then after that, they go storm the other guy's apartment with 50 like FBI agents, but they don't go storm. Their <laughs>
1: yeah, apartment. The, the, the seven of them who've been trained from birth. To- most, most of the time
0: I was like, I was like, who, who is attacking who and why I don't even really, I don't even really care. Yeah. Fox, I, I, care. I, I know, I know Mike hasn't seen this. Have you seen um, orphan black?
1: No, I have not. Cause it's a television show.
0: Yeah, yeah television show television <laughs> kind of show like that. um i i know you're you're like more of that. a movie a guy. little bit more <laughs> um the uh that's the first um work that I've seen that uses this this technology and this this idea of one actor playing multiple characters like you know miles beyond you know like the original yeah. parent trap <laughs> and 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 some of that stuff where um you know they have the camera moving right. while there's more than one character played by the same actress and it's very i've watched some of their behind the scenes stuff and they have um they have body doubles just for the blocking right they'll have a body double so that she can do one half of the scene and then right. the body double leaves and she has to do it mm-hmm. you know uh, yeah. uh shadow boxing no i thought i thought the technology looked good and this this felt to me this felt to me like somebody saw season one of um, of Orphan Black and said, What could we do with this this technology now that we have the ability to do this? Um, yeah. with you know, with uh, cameras on rails and, and no, but all those I sort think it's things. a good point. This I is one of the best the right uses of that
1: technology that I've seen. I was legitimately impressed when we'd have four or five of them on screen and I never thought, oh, one of them looks CGI or oh, one of them looks like a body double that was a faces over it and it's right. between both looking at it, looking at it and believing there are seven of them and also again credit to Rapace who can deliver her lines in a way and again the aesthetics help with the dress and the makeup with that. But still I felt like each of them had a personality. So I was impressed to get that level of yeah. quality in the acting and the and the execution. However, I have to say at the same time the next scene my greatest hate in films that try to use special effects and then fail miserably is when it is sunny out and people are getting sunburn and having shadows and they want to make it rain <laughs> like and, and just, for some reason it was always raining and always a beautiful sunny day at the same time in this film got just, <laughs> I understand that I see that more than the average person and once you see it you can't unsee it I hate to say it but right. <laughs> they're literally putting on sunglasses, almost putting on sunglasses sure, and then it's sure. like it's a downpour
0: you can't yeah. unsee it yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: It's a downpour where's the rainbow when
0: you're doing
1: it right yeah, they, yeah uh, but a,
0: yeah. a lot of that felt like um in video games they would call it a tech demo oh yeah uh, i don't i don't I don't know what the what the term in film would be. I don't think anybody makes an entire feature length film as a tech demo, but it felt like that kind of like yeah the 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 story's not as important people are gonna be blown away by by the 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 technological feat the
2: premise of it. Yeah, the, the I I think that uh I got to say that she was great. Uh Naomi did a great job sure. throughout the whole thing and it's good that she played most of the roles because all the rest of the cast was just not that great. They weren't even close. I mean, the boyfriend well, one of them oh. Wait, one of close,
1: was close, literally Glenn close. Oh, Glenn close. Sure. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I had to make the joke. I'm sorry. Sure. It's right there. I mean, I I I had to kind of wasted I had to t- look at make sure that was there, her. But, well, because her but, face looked like it got, you know, stretched over a drum.
2: Oh, I think she had like, it had to have been like, you know what? I can do this in between Botox injections and then make some money in between. It had to be. You
0: mean you didn't recognize Nova Prime? Oh, right. Exactly.
2: No, no. I recognized her. That was the thing is that I, I it, she looked just looked so different. And I was like, what's happening mm. here? Oh, oh, she's had her face done at some point. But the, uh, I don't know, her acting was fine, but it wasn't, it was still like, it was over the top and it really, here's what, here's the thing. I I don't want to say like I'm bagging on it because I'm not, I think it's totally fine. It felt like I I watched Robocop (laughs) in the nineties or eighties, whatever. And it felt like something like that where a a step above, but you know, it was fun. It was a little candy. Don't ask too many questions, you know? Right. It's
1: Okay. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought it was a fun, it was a fun escapism sci-fi film that worked better than it should have. And I thought the technology was kind of interesting. Like, I, I will say, I like the punching bag that like lit up as you I hit just, it, and it was like yeah. left. And yeah, yeah. I like the, I like the mirror that told them like where the the differences were in deviation. yeah deviations. Yeah. So I was like yeah. uh, every now, and again, I was like, wow, that's much better than it should be in this film. Yeah, and their in their hand phones like, or if- whatever
0: yeah if you if you start out with the with the conceptual premise that they're wearing some kind of fitbit that can project an interactive screen onto their hand, like what else can you do? Will you project an interactive screen onto a punching bag or onto a mirror or whatever
2: yeah no i mean the the c g i was was really well done i mean it's really cool that actually even on like c w shows or whatnot that some of the c g i can you know whoever it is that they're hiring. Can do really good movie level quality stuff mm-hmm. for some acceptable budgets. I mean, and then then again, you turn around and there's things like um, uh, Plastic Man from uh, the Flash, and it's just really, really terribly corny. Looks like it's a tech demo. <laughs> and then you have another one where it's like gr- uh, Gorilla Grodd and it's amazing. And you know, I don't know. I guess it's just the the different so, animators so that
0: day. In in that same in that same topic of of the technology. Mike, would you ever want to try and work on a projected computer screen that's transparent like that? Um, do, do you think that w- would ever, like, be practical or usable in any way?
2: Yeah, I think so. And the reason I say <laughs> that is because you could make it opaque, you know. Mm. You could you could probably just switch a thing, just like those uh, two-way mirror type things you can have that turn on or off, you know. Right. You, I'm sure you could, if you can put a projected screen on you could project a, a white background if you'd like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that TVs could be that way as well, which I think should be, to be awesome. Um, Not with a projected, but you know, was it some kind of crystal thing in the middle of them, but we will be there someday. I'm still a, I'm still a guy that believes that touch screen monitors will actually be a thing, but who knows?
0: I mean, they have those now. They're no, just... I have
2: them now at work. But I mean, it, people don't program and make make them for that. But
0: oh no, because you get dirty fingerprints.
2: <laughs> really, well, I'm not eating, you know, fried chicken when I'm working. But you know, maybe I am. So anyway, so the 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 show was was good. That's my final verdict on it. That it was good. I I liked it. It was. Um, I, I, you're going to hate me for saying something like that. It kind of made me feel a little bit like a Blade Runner ish from the old thing where it's like, it's okay. Blade original Runner Blade Runner. Yeah. The original Blade Runner wasn't that big for me. So it, it, yeah, it felt kind of, kind of like that level. I,
0: I loved 2049. I spend a lot of the original, which I've only seen once. Uh, I spend a lot of the original confused.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Right.
0: I was like, I think there's some kind of metaphor that they're trying to get across here. I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm distracted by the spectacle of this, of this cinematography.
2: The uh, so, what do we have another challenge for next week?
0: Oh, I, I was going to save that for the end.
2: Oh, um, for the end. I don't know. I think we can we can what, pick one. I'm I'm excited what, for the new one because this was you, better than our other two. Uh, Fox, we had done in the past, uh, what was the last? We, this is our third one. We, we started on this challenge thing, and uh, we did two, I think, depressing or <laughs> weird and whacked out ones. I think we randomly we, picked what's interesting. The anime,
0: the anime wasn't depressing.
2: Yeah, it was just weird, I guess. Um, so having this one was actually a, a good upturn, I'm, and I'm ready to keep on that. Well, I thought this was so.
1: good. I thought you guys you guys
2: turned me on to something I would have never ever sought <laughs> out, and I was like, "Wow, well, yeah, I'm yeah.
1: reasonably entertained."
2: <laughs> that's that's right, and that's what we what we're doing. I think it shows that it. Uh, Dennis is picking ones that we neither of us have watched. So sometimes when a show comes out and it's good, one of us will have watched it. So most of the time we're getting these midline type stuff that. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: we we talked about this offline a little bit. I think like I I don't think it's that interesting for one of us to talk about something that the other one has not seen. Like, yeah, I, I could either one of us could be doing a podcast by ourselves in in that case. (laughs) Right. Right. But, um, well, what, what do you think you want to do another movie or uh, a TV show? Go back to TV. There's a lot of Netflix TV shows, but there are a few movies.
2: I I wouldn't mind a movie. I mean, I, I did enjoy that, that I could have a, a story with it. And some of the times with the series is that we get, we kind of get in the middle of them. And if they're not that great, then you have the whole problem of, you know, I have to power through, or if it's really great, or, or, then you're like, "Oh, great!"
0: Up on it if it's uh, if yeah. it's a CWDC. DC, <laughs> right? Right. Um, right. So
1: let's see. I always vote movie, but I'm not really a vote. Uh,
2: <laughs> movies are good. They, they're just self-contained. It's it's a lot easier to, to hammer through those things.
0: Have you have either of you seen the movie Bright? I have. I did see Bright. Bright. Oh, right. you, oh, you did. You yeah. right. I think this is the one that, like,
2: oh, when we discuss mind, weekly then. challenges, I think every time you like, have you seen Bright?
0: <laughs> I don't
2: know. Well, <laughs>
1: and to be fair, I mean, just you, just because you already have seen it, just means you get your homework out of the way.
2: That's right. That's right, that's, right. that's a very good point. You you can watch it. When oh, we it.
0: we talked about this one with Paul Rudd. Uh, mute. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, got have fun with that stuff, futuristic. Right. Stuff. Right. <laughs> Listen I, don't like,
2: Fox, I don't like that, that reaction that. <laughs> I take it I already know your opinion of Paul Rudd it sounds like right
1: Oh I love Paul Rudd uh and man could do no wrong <laughs> It's not Paul Rudd that I'm worried about I'm worried about the movie itself The, the okay. movie mute
2: Yeah uh it's got oh, Stars Garden from SNL We'll we'll watch another one Hey that sounds like it's square in the B movie things I'm I'm raising my hand in excitement I'm I'm ready for All it
0: We've got We've got properly moderated expectations.
2: <laughs> that's right. We're we're at a good you know what? Maybe it was good that we started off with, you know, Black Mirror. I actually
1: is, think it should be the new name of your show, properly moderated <laughs> <laughs> expectations. You set everyone that's a great name, because that's all you guys do. You're like, don't get too excited. It's good. It's good. It's not that great. <laughs> that's basically that's like, what you guys do. I love it. Down.
0: Calm yourself down. Yeah, yeah, even even probably one of our one of our most Well, Greatest Showman was probably our most positive reaction, but we had a pretty, pretty positive reaction to 2049. And even that, I think we spent like 40 minutes talking about whether or not the ending was good or whether or not it was an ending or whether or not stories need endings. Hey, we need to have our
2: philosophical, you know, we got
0: got deep in the weeds on that one. (laughs) Well, speaking of moderated expectations, uh, have you guys seen that latest Ready Player One trailer?
1: Uh, Come yes. with me. Oh, that's,
2: that's right. That's right. That's the one. The imagination song, right? Um, and it's from Willy Wonka. Yeah, right. You know I'm not a big Willy Wonka fan. Is that is that going to burn me bridges with anybody?
1: Well, I don't think so. I mean, it depends also it depends. On the fact that there's two of those movies. One of them is called yeah, it Willy Wonka. Yeah, depends on which one you mean, right. right? Which is the Gene Wilder one, which I have to say I tried to rewatch recently, and it did not hold up the test of time. That, that's probably um, why. Those are killing me. Yeah, it took them like I started watching it. It was like 45 minutes in. And they weren't in the damn chocolate factory, and I was like, I, agree. How they, mm-hmm. I was like, what happened here? Now the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The Johnny Depp version, um, directed by Tim Burton, is awful. It is, yeah. without okay. question, very
0: awful. It's it's real bad. Yeah, I'm, now, I'm on that. It's
1: Pirates part. of the Caribbean Four or whatever that last one was. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't even it's see. Just so gross. That. Yeah, to use, to yeah. use your word. Um, now, we should know though that they are trying to make another. Um, oh, okay. another one. However, there is some reason oh. to be encouraged. And the reason for that is that the <laughs> writer and director is supposedly going to be Paul King. Now, I think your listeners in the UK will know this name because this is the man behind Paddington two, which was one of the best reviewed family movies of all time came out earlier wow. this year. And it is, I saw the movie. It is adorable. It is got that great mixture of, um, Sort of like a Pixar film where there's good messages, good comedy that will appeal both to kids and adults. Um, so actually, while I don't, did not love the Charlie and Chocolate Factory movie, if this man makes this adaptation of this great book and book series, by the way, it wasn't just one book, by the way, there were several of these, right. then I think you have a reason to be encouraged. So anyway, that's my little, I don't know how we got on that tangent. I apologize. But, uh, but, I that, but that, is my, song that is my that is my pit. Sorry.
2: Right. I hey, I, I want to say that on there, I from the Charlie and Chocolate Factory because this is one of those repressed things that I kind of, you know, like don't admit to a lot of people is that I don't like that very oh. much. The the first one I feel exactly the exactly. same way, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think that it was long. I didn't quite um get into it very much like everybody else did. And then all the weirdness was only just kind of weird. So I didn't watch it all as a kid. It was really slow. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it as an adult and I like Fox said, I didn't think it held up
0: and it doesn't hold up. There there are a lot of things like that. Um, I think we've talked on the show about how, uh, there are a lot of things that I did not experience in the eighties because, you know, I grew up in a conservative house and, um, talked about the original Ninja Turtles movie which i saw for the first <laughs> time in
1: college yeah how would that with, go
0: with a bunch of my friends who had seen it when they were whatever that was and they been, were like,
1: like this is the greatest thing ever fourth right fourth fifth grade whatever i
0: was like i was like you guys this movie's terrible <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so awful it's and terrible. like like shredder comes on the scene and i go Oh man, I didn't know Darth Vader was in this. And
1: they're like, shut up. shut up! It's so funny you say it. So I, I showed. I have a five-year-old son. I showed him the original 1980s uh, cartoon. Loved it, and it does hold up the test of time. I will say that. I was surprised. I don't know. This is really weird to me. It's kind of a sitcom. Did I don't know if you guys remember this, but like, while there's a, a villain of the week it's actually uh, long story arcs like the story yep. builds which is really impressive yep. for a 1980s cartoon anyway <laughs> i showed you know, that the, the, the
2: newer true. ones the newer animated ones have the same thing that they're they're just like that and i think I, that's what made it i think really is awesome which they,
1: i like that they're getting kids are getting exposed to long form storytelling. I always sort of hated the idea that like everything was sort of like you, you watch this episode and it's a standalone thing. Mm, and yeah. like, I like the they idea of like, getting in these characters and read it like a comic book. Anyway, um, I showed yeah, you him. Did, you do. Right. And I like that. I think it's important. Um, mm-hmm. I show him the trailer for TG I go, you want to watch that with me? And he was like, no, 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 thanks. <laughs> like you know, like basically, right. like I'm bribing my kid. I'm like, you want to stay up late and watch? Literature? I was like, I'd rather go to bed. Thank you. You know, like, right. like you know, right. it's funny that I agree no, with you. it Doesn't hold up. You know, some yeah, yeah.
2: some shows, for, some for, shows though, you have you have to make your kids sit down and watch because uh, there, there's two shows that I've done that with my daughter. Uh, um, what are they? Uh, one of them is Willow. <laughs> that she was like, no, that does not look well, good. That's a, no, that's no. not
0: a show. It's a movie.
2: Well, movie. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. A movie. Yeah. It's, it's I you weren't
0: used the word show to refer to
2: movies. Yeah. I've heard times. that. Right. Is that
1: like a um, thing? Is that a thing I need to learn? Uh, Is that what all the cool kids are doing? Maybe, maybe it's an
2: Indiana thing. I don't know. Okay. Uh, all right. uh, yeah. What's the so other visual? Video the other one that, that you
1: want to share? Yeah, right. So, uh, Moving picture
2: was a, a newer one. <laughs> it was um, Super Eight.
1: Oh, I love Super Eight. Underrated. Yeah.
2: I love Super Eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally agree. And, and I really liked it a lot. And I was, and I, and I own it. And I was like, let's sit down. I want you to watch Super 8. I think it's, it's this, it's your generation's stand by me type thing. Yes, I um, agree. So, so she was like, no, that does not look interesting. It does not sound interesting. Nothing about it. I, I let her see the trailer. She's like, man, not really. But then when she got done watching it, she wants to watch it all the time now and loves it and thinks that's it's awesome. Great. That's
1: being a good so, parent right there.
2: Yeah, right. So, some of these things as a, as a parent, you got to, you kind of got to watch. I'm not saying that
0: about Ninja Turtles, but, <laughs> well, we'll <Ninja> get <laughs> <laughs> For, for for me the for me the classic that didn't hold up was um Inspector Gadget D- Oh
1: it's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. I loved Inspector Gadget I, as a kid I watched, I watched as a kid
0: and I think even as a kid at some point I was like man this is always the same like yeah. he spends the whole episode bumbling around and his daughter and his dog with her magic uh computer, computer book. Book. <laughs> book 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 computer I forget what it was even right. called right. um it might've like, literally I, I been a computer, computer book. book. Great. Um, nice. Would, uh, would, would figure it out. And like the inspector always gave him a thing that would self-destruct and he'd throw it into whatever container the chief was hiding in. Like it was the same every episode and it, they put it on Netflix and I went, Oh man, I'm going to see this. It's going to be just like, and mm-hmm. like five, five ten 10 minutes into the episode, I'm on my phone. I'm not even paying attention. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, same this, way. this, this, this does not hold up. But for me, that's, I think that's where, uh, the original Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory lives. Like it's embedded in my, in my personal nostalgia in a way that, uh,
1: well, is there, is there a show from your childhood that you guys have, have rediscovered that does hold up? Cause I want, cause I will say the show that I recently got mm-hmm. back into, um, Batman, the animated series came out in 1992 oh, and I started rewatching that with my son and, was a little afraid. Like I was like, we're going to start with episode one and we're going to get through this. And I was like, this is still great. I think I, I cause you don't know, right. You yeah. don't know a little I, bit what is nostalgia. What is I quality. missed that one.
0: That was, that was a little after my time. N- not quite, but like by the time that was on, I was, you know, more interested in star Trek, probably what uh, mid nineties, I would have been like late middle school, early high school. But I did, I did go back and watch like half of the first season for a while. And I was like, man, this is like, it's cheesy. There are a lot of puns, but it's, it's still pretty good. And, and the whole like dark deco art style of it, like, it's, it's all pretty good, I think, still without. So, so that's my, my opinion, having no, no nostalgic view on
2: it no I, I yeah I, I still like that. that That, that's good and I could watch it again I think I've seen a couple episodes and the Superman ones Um, I, I think Justice League um, like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited I know they're not terribly old but you know they're 10 plus years old those definitely hold up uh, from my childhood oh, not much I, I don't think I mean I, I like to say I have a soft spot for Transformers but and there are some episodes that are pretty good uh, the movie definitely still holds up it really does um, but the, the show itself does not very, very much. Um, I, th- I still think the movie star Wars Wasn't holds orson
0: Welles in the movie.
2: Oh yeah, he was. And Leonard Nimoy. We're, we're in the oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. right, right. So, I mean, that, that's, we're good. GI Joe does. You know what? GI Joe, the movie. No, it doesn't really hold up either. Um, <laughs> Snoopy, I would say Care Bears maybe. does. Care Bears, Care Bears. Mm. There, Snoopy does. Snoopy does. Um, or and some of the Ducktales st- things are nice. Ducktales
1: still and is good. Yeah, it,
2: yeah. It's it's pretty good. Um, so okay, let's take take it back. Let's stay back to the Ready Player One thing. I know Fox that you had. We talked about. I oh, looked yeah, that's recently. Where we started. At, way back, like our our third episode that, that you were on. We we talked about Ready Player One a little bit, and it was uh, you were a big fan of of the book. Yes, and
1: absolutely.
2: Ernest so are you how? How is your expectations now that we're like two or three trailers in?
1: All right. So I need to be like both subjective and objective about this because uh, I do love the book And I think just the fact that I get to see the book being made into a movie is making me excited. However, I recognize that I'm basically now putting myself in the same camp of all those idiots who thought dark tower might be good because they love the book. They love Idris Elba. They, they, they love Matthew McConaughey. And despite the fact that the trailers were absolute crap, they're like, it still might be good, right? So it might be good. I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit afraid that I'm falling into that camp with this particular film. Um, I see the trailers, and I got to be honest, I I don't get that sense of wow. I don't get that sense of wonder. I don't get the sense of the complexity uh, of the book. Not that there was a lot of it, but it was there. There's a lot of things I see that make me concerned that it is not going to be a faithful adaptation and a missed opportunity. Um but, like, mm. the little kid mm. in me that loved the book and loved it so much <laughs> and so bad that I've read it, like, six times wants it to be good. But I don't think I can will this to be great in the way most people believe it should be, and rightfully so.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I'm one of those – well, I'm, I am a person who read or whatever, consumed via audiobook the, uh, the Dark Tower series – Minus, I think there might be one in there that's like a, a 0.5 release that I didn't listen to. Um, and when I saw the trailers, it was just a, a, a matter of like, I read and watched Lord of the Rings. I read and watched uh, Game of Thrones. And also in college, I read and watched Count of Monte Cristo with, um, I want to say Jim Caviezel.
1: Yes, yeah, very young Junkie Wiesel. Yeah,
0: and Good Paul. when I when I saw posters for that movie, I went, hmm, I should probably read the book first, which was a mistake <laughs> because the book is this sprawling epic with the with these like several complex love stories and faked deaths and and all of this stuff that you just you can't fit into a two hour uh, movie, right? And so I went into the dark tower the same way. I mean, I think I even looked at the runtime it's, it wasn't even two hours. It was like 90 or a hundred minutes. Like there's no
1: way this is happening. I'm like
0: there is so much story in the dark tower. Like maybe they're going to get, you know, kind of the, the cliff cliff's notes version of it, which was, which is okay. Like my expectations were so low that I wasn't, you know, thoroughly disappointed. I was just like, yeah, that's about what I expected. Like, I think if I didn't know the story going in, I'd be like, "Oh, that's a pretty cool story." Um, but yeah, the, the so, I, I like so for this for for this movie having just listened to the book once. Um, I feel like every time I see a new trailer, it seems like a vehicle for more. I'm going to say product placement, but that's not what I mean. I mean,
1: like, no, I know exactly what you mean. You're IP like, oh, placement. look at this. Like, look at, this. yes, oh, there's the giant
0: the giant. There's the DeLorean there. You know, there's a hundred other things that I'm not going to notice until if I watch a, you know, half hour YouTube frame by frame breakdown.
1: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. What do you think about Mike? And so, and so I, I don't get a sense of
0: I don't get a sense of what the story is, what the I mean, you see the Sixers, but it's not really. Yeah clear in any way what's going on.
2: Yeah, the this last trailer, when I saw it, the the title of the article that led me to it was pretty appropriate that there's a lot more um of the real world in this movie than than it, you know, we first thought. Uh, I think that they are going to put there's gonna be a lot less in the Oasis than we want to see. Um it, the, and, the, the the book and, and then yeah. There's almost nothing in the real world. Yes, exactly. It's Agreed. Yeah. Like until the end. It, it's supposed to be. The, the beginning and the end, yeah. Yes. It's supposed yeah. to be that way. It's supposed to be that's the whole point is that you're immersed in this thing. He's immersed like, in Like here's thing. the
0: frame. It's this world where everybody lives in
2: VR. Yeah. Right. It's it's um Yeah, so that's that's really disappointing and Yeah, I mean I I can't echo what Fox is saying more and that you just can't miss very key scenes throughout that trailer showing like major plot points being changed and agreed like you, you mm. can't see that uh, it's been a while since i've read it um but his friend is h yeah h is mm-hmm. is he knows who h is early on it looks like and yeah. and that discovery which yeah. i thought was pretty important for the character and the whole the whole i mean this sounds like a book nerd you know being upset about a movie <laughs> but but I, I think it was here, it was at all yeah it, it was important that, that H – that's what one of the things that made the book – what it is, is this whole escapism that they all feel. That's a real important and thing. make them in themselves they think world.
1: the world wants them to be or how they want themselves to be. And I see that yeah. in actually all three of them, that they've altered little things about them that was important to the way in which they portrayed themselves in this virtual world. And there was an important message within that, which I'm a little afraid is going to get lost. yeah. Uh, yeah. It
2: it's um. Not only that, they they also show that they're that he sees his girlfriend or the the love interest. That's whatever, exactly what I was early. to. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're and I'm like oh come on. I mean that's that's again that's a big reveal at the end. Um. And she the trailers show her without like the the birth defect on her face or any kind of like, defect. Yeah. Right. The birth, right. Yeah. So that, that's supposed to be a thing and it's not huge, but it's important, you know, and, and the whole book, the whole book is about how they don't want to be in the real world and they don't, you know, everything they can do to get out of that and living in this other yeah. life and how they feel cooler. And that's the whole point of the book. I know there's the quest and things, but if you think the quest is the main part of the book, you've really missed, missed, missed the point, understood yeah. mm-hmm. missed yeah. the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so if this is just going to be about an adventure tale, uh, then, you know i it'll it'll be a missed opportunity like you said and and also the huge huge plot point where they blow up the stacks and it's in the trailer
1: yeah i agree i there's a, i think even the speech that is over the trailer from wade watts is also i think one of the end sequences of the film and i hate when they do that in trailers mhm right
0: it's like a different you go all the way back to uh I want to say Star Trek three because we can't have an episode of this show without me talking about Star Trek and uh, the the production company that made the trailer showed the enterprise burning up on re-entry because four is the one where they fly around in a bird of prey. And they're like, like the final voyage of the USS enterprise and the director producer, whatever of the,
1: of the film Star Trek three were like, well, you, now, now you're, you're spoiled. The you whole gave it thing. Away. How about cast away? They yeah. cast away the trailer They show him reuniting with Helen hunt in the trailer. Oh, All <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gotcha. I mean
0: it, it makes, it makes you understand how some, some things like, um, like game of Thrones and a uh, doctor who, and what am I thinking? There are several of those where you, you hear that, like the, the actors don't get scripts until the day of and stuff like that. Like they work really, really hard to control all that information because you know, it, it spoils the storytelling. If you, if you know, you know how, how it's going to end.
2: Well, the, I, I just read recently, I think it was with the last Jedi. Yeah. I think it was with the last Jedi um, that the directors often don't know don't see the trailers, or don't work on the trailers, or don't no, do the trailers. They're
1: totally removed, yeah, unfortunately. Totally separate. Yeah.
2: separate. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's weird to me. I mean, that seems super important to a lot of movies and shows that you don't give away huge plot points. They just hand over film to to these trailer people. It isn't. You know, no, no, I don't know how you could do that. Proper framing, not to mention, like especially with the Last Jedi, while the trailers were amazing, it it kind of was they lead you on certain ways and then you go watch the movie and it's not what that's about or something it's like ah, well you know that sucks or especially they, they have they, they've actually it.
0: they've actually started doing that in um, honest trailers i don't oh, know they that, show yeah the we, oh, they show right. all the yeah. sequences that are not like,
1: in the film they, they do this
0: they break down the plot and they make all these jokes and then they say starring and they make funny jokes out of the character tropes or the actor's names or other roles that they played or whatever. And then on some films they'll do not starring these, these scenes from the trailer. Yeah. You know, Jin Erso saying we're rebels, let's rebel or something stupid like that. And mm-hmm. they're
1: like, yeah, I rebel. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know what was it? Uh, Oh well, yeah, Rogue One, because they it wasn't even the same movie, right? Like they had most of the trailer scenes were cut.
1: Yeah, right. When they did all the reshoots, yeah, yeah.
2: So that that's that was almost a whole different kind of thing. I know some of those trailers, I wait to see key scenes, and then they never came across. That's a problem.
1: I agree because if you remember something iconic from a trailer, then you're kind of waiting for it the Mm -hmm. entire time in the movie.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that yeah. goes that goes all the way back um we talked about this last week or the week before in the original not original but the the Disney full-length animated features that came out in the 90s and probably the early 2000s as well those are the ones that I remember seeing they would release a VHS with trailers for other Disney movies right of course and um sometimes the trailer would have like sketches and storyboards and they like, they were, they were so early in the production process. Um, but they would already have like some of the songs recorded or some of the dialogue. And there were times when they would put the, they would put some audio clip over an animation sequence that don't go together. Like there's a character talking in this audio clip that is not the character they're showing speaking. And so then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, that's that's not right. They they did it they changed it from the from the thing. I mean, I remember noticing that way back.
1: Yeah, I think it's always yeah. been a thing. Yeah. I mean that's it, unfortunate. I think that they should give directors final say over uh marketing the trailers. Um, there is something me mean, I think like yeah. Marvel does it well. Like I think, but I mean, Marvel does everything well, so they're not really an example. <laughs> right, right. Um, but like I'm sure you guys, you guys talked about last week with Justice League or things like that. You know, it's it's a little bit. It it, it, fe- it seems like an easy problem to fix. You know, uh, just give directors yeah, a little right. bit more control over the marketing. Um, or or just let them see it and screen it and approve it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even that. Like they don't have to be the ones right. making it, but they should at least have a say in the matter.
0: Yeah, like oh, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: And, and maybe you, you don't. You can't put that in there. You know,
0: maybe you don't go through the whole final, um, um post post production. You know, for the trailer, but like, just show them the, the, the storyboard, the the cut, and then say, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure there's some you know penny pinching going on there, but
2: yeah. Well, so the so this one. I, I hate to base anything off the trailer, but if, if they're giving away stuff from that trailer, it, it, it's not the 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 stuff that I would like to see. You know, it's not giving me the positive vibes about it. And I know that Ready Player One, with its original <laughs> teaser that came out, was um, getting a lot of flack about not knowing what the, the show is about. So maybe they're trying to tilt the right. other way and give you, like, the real world human elements of it, but... Instead Going of just nostalgic and also Ready Player One, which is dumb, but some people give it a the haters of it hate it because oh it's all just nostalgic dump. And I'm like, that's the, the love part about it. And if you don't like it, go away. And I know the first trailer almost was dumping a lot of that stuff about the Oasis. So I can only maybe think that they're trying to lean the other way to pull people in. I'm sure there's strategies with this, but well, I
1: I think that's an interesting, I mean, I hope you're right. I really do, because that would make me feel a whole lot better, yeah. honestly.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this um, the first time Fox was on, that the, there's so much nostalgia, so much, in, in in the sense, to a degree that, like, you know, it's it's at best um, the character of Halliday's nostalgia, because it, it's not possible for it to be uh, Wade's nostalgia. He's too young. Um right. Like you know my my 17-year-old sister watching stranger things and loving it like she doesn't remember the 80s right um and and so so it's it like you have to in the trailer's show that you have accomplished the the legal goal of
1: getting all of this ip oh, I like that. in there what's that no, I'm just saying I like the way you're saying that the legal goal, like you have an <laughs> obligation to do this. Well, n-
0: I mean, the, or otherwise we'll storm the castle. The, the, the hurdle of like, if you tried to make this without, you know, the real DeLorean and the real Iron Giant and all of these other things, um, you know, nobody would go see it. They're like, oh yeah, I saw. It. They didn't put in this was in the book. Remember, they did the thing, and he plays the Rush album, and they didn't play Rush. Well, they played yeah. El. I mean,
1: or my, whatever. Hope, my hope is that. I mean, the the favors we've seen Spielberg call in thus far are the favors I would expect. He was an executive producer on Back to the Future. I expect him to get the rights to the DeLorean and the Back to the Future theme. Right. What I want to see are the surprises. I want to mm. see the IPs I wasn't expecting to be pulled into this. Be pulled into this, from Serenity from Star Wars, from other random things. That will make me happy. I will say the the movie that did the best thus far was honestly the Lego movie, where I saw this and they showed me things and they had actors reprising roles in ways I would have never expected. I mean, people... don't realize how hard it is to have star wars characters on screen as well as showing superman and batman right. you know in one giant movie and that's what the beauty was with who framed roger rabbit so mm-hmm. if he's hiding that stuff and it comes to fruition that would be a way in which i could be satiated over not adapting the book perfectly have we seen
0: any uh verse or just firefly Material in in trailers thus far, no. Okay,
2: yeah. I mean, I was hoping to see. So that we've seen somewhere. some, uh,
0: uh, we've seen some Blizzard not- content, which is a, which is an interesting. Um, I, I think Mike and I talked about this maybe, but how how do you feel about that? Fox bringing in some some new
1: IPs? I, I, I'm okay with books. that because I think. It- See, again, like I think that lends itself to the spirit of the book, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. Because if the book were to come out today, we all know there would be an Overwatch reference. So right. Right. I'm like, okay. The holiday
0: was all about the 80s, but the Oasis has existed for however long it's supposed to have been, like 40, 50 years. Right,
1: He was. I mean, yeah, exactly. And like so there are going to be plenty people of people
0: driving around in... In a '90s reference car or a exactly. '2000s
1: reference, that that to me speaks to the again. Like, there's my I mean, this he says is my Firefly, like,
0: that's you know
1: right yeah. I mean, I think they have I think they have the Firefly ship in the book. So I mean, there there are certain things that like I think speak to the spirit of it, um, and that would be one of them. So so I get that. Like I that that to me shows some modicum. Of awareness of what the book is supposed to be, it encapsulates uh, basically an encapsulation of geek culture over time.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, and and it, it would have been fine seeing you know new things that didn't bother me actually. All that nostalgic stuff, like oh, they don't they have the Iron Giant, which wasn't I don't think he he might have been casually mentioned or something,
1: just I, casually mentioned. Right. Yeah. But
2: but I, I don't I didn't. I, didn't, I don't mind them changing up nostalgic stuff or showing the highlights of neat things or different because they can't get IPs. That wasn't a bothersome to me. Um, it, it wouldn't bother me at all if they just have all new different things in there. But um, so the Oasis, I think it's not going to be a disappointment for me, except that they probably won't show enough of it. Um,
1: yeah, it's an interesting point, Mike. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh-huh. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's funny that we were just talking about, you know, appropriate moderation of our expectations. But this is one of those things that the more I goes on, the more I start thinking about, eh, I'll be happy if it's just okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, mean, I really will Lowered expectations right. You guys ever see the SNL Oh no it was Mad TV They had this like dating show mm. thing Where they're like lowered expectations <laughs> They're like the bad people who couldn't get on dating sites And they're right, like right. I'm 47 I own 6 trucks You know I'm right. like, um, way off the rails Sorry.
0: <laughs> I watched Mad TV like Twice
1: I think back in the 90s Yeah
0: um, Well Speaking of Al- alternate world escapism you guys want to talk about uh rpgs a little bit role-playing i'd like to like to hear about um uh, fox's uh
2: games he's got going on we recently just played uh, sure uh, with him but i'd like to know you, what
0: you guys played have. a little bit of uh a little bit of backstory very briefly um the the house that I'm staying in, we got a ton of rain in the Midwest last week and uh, the basement flooded. So I've spent most of the last week uh, monitoring shop vacs or wet dry vacs as some people Lucky call them you. To, uh, to, to make sure to, to minimize the water damage in this, in this basement that I'm staying in. And so all, all of that to say, uh, we were supposed to play Star Trek Adventures last week the two, the three of us and our two other um, um, player characters, my, my two other player characters, however you want to say that. And, uh, and I was unavailable Wednesday night. And so you guys did uh, one of Fox's one-off quote unquote, one-off scenarios, missions. I don't know what the, I, what,
1: no, I think that's a fair, that's a fair way of saying it. What so, word is um,
0: that? so you're running a, a
1: is it, is it D&D? It is. It's still, D&D still and it, it is set in the Forgotten Realms okay. um and F- what I Faerûn, well, sort of. And that's actually a, the, a perfect hook for me to get into this. So the name of the campaign is Trials of Torrell. And Terrell is the fictional planet, and Faerun is one of the continents on that planet. Okay. So I gave this as a gift to my favorite people in the world who play D&D that are local to me. Because um, if I said favorite people, I, that would not include you two, which is absolutely two of my favorite people. And you just don't happen to be here, which I'm <laughs> constantly upset about. Um, so to my that, local folk. Uh, no, it's absolutely true. Um, but but here's what I decided to do. I, I tried to design something for my wife and for some of my my friends who live locally, where I basically am doing this giant save the world campaign, and each uh, chapter of the campaign, I have morphed a famous movie on top of it to. Bring it into the D and D lore. So the uh, mm. chapter that everyone played last time it was subtitled Heist, and it was really a Guardians of the Galaxy themed adventure. Right. The next one that we're going to play is subtitled Beast, and it is Jaws themed. And every chapter mm. I've I've sort of designed is based off of a famous movie. However, I take all the characters and I make them into their in my mind D and D equivalents. Um, it's been a a lot of fun um There is also an overarching story. There are factions playing in the background when they're not on these movie-themed adventures. Um, But it's been a real fun challenge. So, like I have a chapter that's based off Die Hard. I have a I have a chapter that's based off Jurassic Park. I have one on Ghostbusters, etc. Um, and so it's been it's been a real fun um mixing of my loves, as it were, uh to sort of uh make this into one epic story. So uh you all play. I you know a one-off which was sort of removed from the overall story, but you get a flavor at least Mike did of what I'm trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I I wasn't there obviously as previously mentioned. So when you say when you say these these movie themes, is it is it abstract or is it is it kind of like the 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 D and D session <laughs> we did at Gen Con where you teleported characters <laughs> from <paper laughs> to, to the
1: It's, um, it's somewhere in the middle. It's a little bit more, it's a little bit more Forgotten Realms based. So, for example, when they met up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I had designed uh, a character named Star-Lord who happened to be the thief archetype in D&D world. Uh, there was Groot. Who was a tree ant, which is a creature in D and D world. So I'm basically uh, grafting, for lack of a better word, the the characters and giving them the same names, but I'm designing characters with the real stats you would find for mm. those D and D archetypes. That's kind of cool. How how, how have your players felt about it? They've enjoyed it. Well, they have, although it's great is they've only played through one chapter, so I don't think they've figured out yet that they're all <laughs> <laughs> movie oh, that's a, theme. Nice. So I think they'll figure it out the next time so, we do the, so the you, Jaws you've one. You've planned way in, way in advance. Well, it's interesting. I've actually allowed the characters to decide what the next – chapter is so while i know there are 9 chapters and i know what word is associated with what movie i'm only writing the chapters after they decide which one they're going to next it's kind of like mega man style um okay. so i'm writing them in order because i'm i'm continually organically changing them based upon what happened in previous chapters because i'll tell you my fun twist to this is Every chapter they play, they meet someone who they can bring as part of their team. So, for example, they played the Guardians of the Galaxy one and they decided to draft Drax into their uh, pool of people they could choose from. But they can only choose one person to bring with them on subsequent missions. And that's obviously going to change the way I design each mission. Um, so, so I have not written all nine of these, but I'm writing the next one when they choose it. So I don't know what chapter three is going to be, but I have to be ready to know, okay, if they pick, um, you know, uh, whatever it is, um, you know, let's say escape, I got to be ready to write the Jurassic Park chapter, but I have to write it in a way that it, it is equivalent to what level they're at at the time they decide oh, to sure. go on that adventure as well as who they might bring with them because for jaws for example they'll be able to bring with them i mean as, assuming they're not eaten by the beast um hooper Quint, or brody okay who are gnomes and dwarves
2: <laughs> uh, nice 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 you get to nice. translate those into the the DD mechanics have you had problems with uh uh translating stuff from DD mechanics into like Different kind of settings? <laughs> not, not yet. Um, That's good. That's good. but I'm, um,
1: uh, you know, you know, because I mean, even Rocket Raccoon, there's a Tanuki in, uh, in D versions. No, so I right. found the, I found the talking raccoon. Nice. Um, and, you know, I made Drax a Goliath. And so I, I, fortunately, D. Forgotten Realms, for all the things that are wrong with it, it is expansive. It's a very wide world. Exactly. And so I'm able to pick and choose. You know, when I get to the Ghostbusters one, there are tons of spirits and spiritual beings that I'll be able to pull in to make it feel, you know, somewhat akin to the actual movie, but at the same time, still be living in the 5E world.
0: Okay. Interesting. So you guys did a. You did a sci-fi themed, or yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Guardians of the Galaxy being sci-fi themed, sure. But did you? Was it in space?
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> in the in the D and D world, there actually is an asteroid belt called the Tears of Saloon that. Um, are around the planet known as Terrell, So I use that to do a Guardians of the Galaxy-themed uh mission. And even in D&D lore, there's something called the Gauntlet. So I called them the Gauntlet of the Galaxy. I think it's a reasonable bend. And right. the Gauntlet is actually described as the self-appointed police force of the asteroid belt. So I just sort of made it that. Um, I've been very lucky to find, like I said, um proxies for most of the things i wanted to do mm-hmm. so so
0: is it is it like a like an eternity gauntlet
1: uh, no but they did have to steal an infinity stone the best part was at least my group kept thinking that the infinity stone was like something magical and I was like no it's just a stone it's just really expensive mm. stone and you have to get over sometimes. the fact that you're bringing in your preconceived notions that's going to like bend space and time or give you incredible power or you know sometimes a stone is just, just a stone sometimes it's just, it's just a stone yes
0: <laughs> right interesting interesting
2: the uh Dennis you haven't played much but you we started doing this whole the Star Trek thing which I think we're gonna have maybe Chris on Captain Chris on in a week or two to talk about um
0: yeah so hopefully point, if, if we ever finish episode one we then, ever uh, finish it that's right
2: uh which which are, uh Fox is a part of there um which
1: is amazingly fun
2: yeah it's it's just totally it's a, a different kind of thing starting in a different kind of setting um
0: yeah, it's it's a combination of of exciting, overwhelming, intimidating for me to to be DMing for the first time in a in a system that is very roleplay heavy, very combat light with uh two one very experienced and one one fairly experienced DM as my players. Which
1: one is which? And, no, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I think Mike has been DMing since he was like. I'm six. totally kidding, Mike. Mike
1: Mike taught me what I needed to know about D and D. He was lovingly enough to give me a car ride home that I'll never forget, where he gave me the history of D and D, including the Pathfinder split. You're, I really credit him out. for getting me into D and
2: D. You're making me out to be right, a bigger right. nerd than than. I, well, I should probably just own up to it. Fine, whatever.
1: No, I was I was I was putting him up to be a great,
2: wonderful, nerdy, geeky influence. All right. Well, the the. Uh, so I guess my, my question I come around here to is that um, so is is this one we're playing now, Fox? Your I, I want to ask you why you, we got you here this week. Um, sure. Is this is this the first other RPG you've played besides um, the D and D one?
1: Yes, it is. And I've been fortunate that I've learned something completely new because I think D&D is what probably most people get into first. It's your gateway sure. RPG system. Right. Um, the big one. What I really appreciate – I know we're going to talk about Adventure Zone a little bit – is that I don't know that I was even aware the magnitude and the the number of uh, other systems that are out there that – Take the D&D system and say, okay, well, what if we flipped it on its head? Or what if we made it less about combat and more about role-playing? Or what if we made it more about your skills and not the weapon you held in your hand? Right. Um, so, yes, I really have appreciated learning an entirely different system. I mean, to the point where if you know d d you roll a D20, you want that 20, in this right. game, you <laughs> not want the twenty. You are going low, baby. You are going, you are going, right. you're going you low win numbers. Win. Yeah, which is win which win. is something to wrap your head around. Yeah, the the uh, using the website instead
0: of real dice, I think helps that. If we were doing the math ourselves, we'd, like every time we'd have to be like, oh, what? <sighs> Damn it! I rolled a two. No, wait, that's good. That's that's, that's good. crit. Right. You, you you get two successes off that. Right. I I, I did you know,
2: uh, Fox? I am not sure if you know who Margaret Margaret Weiss is. Have you heard that name?
1: I mean, yeah, you say the name and it sounds familiar, but you have okay. to re-educate. Right, well,
2: it's just a, a small she's – an, she's an author, and she, her, she and Tracy Hickman created some books a long time ago called The Dragonlance Chronicles and since so many dragon, like massive series of Dragonlance books. And they're one of the main um, D&D worlds is Dragonlance. Um, from way back in the eighties, but she went on later on and created her own studios and she made her own RPG and the RPG she made was Firefly.
1: Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Okay. I did not
2: realize that. So She's actually there all the time at Gen Con and she has her booth. I think it's Margaret Weiss studios, maybe. And Firefly is one of the biggest systems that she sells. And I know some people who've bought the, the Firefly RPG, Um, and they, they like it a whole lot, but I've always been one of those people that's been tempted like, Hey man, if there's a sci-fi one, I wanted to to try, you know, I'd love to try that, one. but I never have enough people around me that are big Firefly fans to, to play that kind
1: of, well, I just need to be around Uh, you more.
2: (laughs) That's sort of right. We need to have more of those opportunities. But anyway, I thought that that was really cool that like a, someone was my big author fan of being an author is, you know, such also a big Firefly person and then read a whole system on it. Um, and it's hard for me to think that there's a, a role playing system based on Serenity and Firefly, but uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Uh, so, Dennis, we have what one more left for the first show? These are in like for episodes. Sure. We talk about like when we, unlike uh, other RPGs where you have
0: adventures, these are like sh- episodes, right? It's the system feels very much like trying to replicate the the themes and the storytelling styles and the mechanics of a TV show i mean there are scene mechanics there are supporting characters if you're i mean you guys are in a in an introductory mission where you're pretty much all involved but if you had left one of your characters with the crash shuttle you could have taken a supporting character with you like the doctor or somebody Potentially might have been useful. Um, And whoever, whichever player character's character is not present in the group, would control that supporting character. It's very, it's very TV show centric, is what I'm trying to say.
2: Right. And, and, and that's different uh, than, well, I guess it's, it's kind of, I mean, the, the whole, explain how the scenes work.
0: Um, so instead of, because for for me, I've not played a lot of role-playing games, uh, RPGs, I've played video games, but not role-playing, role-playing pen and paper, I don't know, whatever label you want to use to describe that, um, but I'm familiar with the concept of, and I think we, I made this mistake in our, in our trial run quick start session where I'm like, okay, you guys have to get from here to here, why don't we we could do some stuff in between where like you guys have to get across this ravine or, you know, some wild something's attack you or whatever. What in d d or Pathfinder would be called random encounters. Right. Um, but in this system, like you can do that, but it's really not. It's not necessary. It's not like. Um, it's not like you're immersing yourself in a fantasy world where you're like okay we're here and we have to get way over there it's going to take us a couple weeks and you know every so often like we have to we have to divide up watches and then the people who are on watch are rolling perception checks to see whether you know something attacks them or whatever like if it's not relevant to the story it's not shown it's that uh, uh um it's that Alfred Hitchcock thing where the uh, what, what's, how's the quote go? Um, people would ask him, why don't, why don't these people who are locked in the house, in the apartment, call the police, right? Why don't they do the logical, sensible thing? Don't run I mean, upstairs. Run classic. The front door. Classic Star Trek. Like somebody is stuck in the holodeck. Why did nobody try to beam them out? And, Hitchcock's answer to that question was always they don't call the police because it's dull because it's boring. It's not it's not an interesting story. And there's a we could do a whole topic on like how. How like how well defined, how well explained does every aspect of a TV show or a film have to be before like. Ultimately, it's not real. Like, the audience should should have a level of suspension of disbelief expected of them. Maybe. I don't know.
2: Um, Something I thought was interesting about it was, that was how when a scene is over, everything's
0: reset. It's like, for the most part, for the most part, it's like, we're going to do a commercial break. And then when you come back, like, you know, the, the players have, have rested. They're, you know, it's... It's Star Trek, so unless they have contracted some alien disease that's part of the main story, like, they're fine. They have dermal regenerators and all kinds of fantastic technology.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't uh, – I mean, it's, that, that was probably the biggest departure for me playing it was that, you know, having this uh, – being a DM for games like d d for such a long time, You, it's very, very important to understand the long thread of, of – the long game. You know, you want your players to to be have a good time, but make sure that they're challenged and that means that from an a, 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 a encounter could be very difficult and hurt them, but it can also be very easy. The idea is the long term, in the long term, they need to be just by the hair of their, you know, come through and have hit points that they've saved from before or spells or whatever. And in this game, it's very much like you you, you do everything Right there in this one scene in this one shot, very much like a movie. And then when that's over, we're okay. Now we're on to something completely different. Like you said, rested, and we're all back together. And Captain Kirk is all good now. There's no like persistent broken arm. I mean, there's. I guess there is some things that are persistent, but for the most part,
0: yeah. I mean, in in this system, they they attempt to handle that sort of. I don't want to say progression because it's not really progression, but like long term. Uh, effects, implications, consequences, whatever word you want to apply to that, Um, takes the form of values, right? Where your character has a value that's like, you know, uh, a starship is a home and its crew is a family. And all of the, you guys as player characters have several of those. And if at some point in the mission, And a lot of that responsibility falls on me. If some aspect of that is challenged, um, then you have the opportunity to maybe change one of those. And then you that also gives you the chance to to change one of your focuses or attributes in some way to reflect the lore or the the narrative of what has what has changed in your character as a result of that of that challenged value. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I, all my life. I thought that, um, you know, like Pat's character is a Ferengi, like, you know, Latinum is the most, most valuable thing, you know, valued above people above whatever. And I mean, he doesn't, his character has already compromised some of that, uh, uh, Ferengi ideal by joining Starfleet in the first place. But, um, some of those things you have the opportunity to challenge and say, okay, going forward, you know, my, this value has, has shifted to be this instead, which is how they, tr- they try to do that because it's not, I think of your more traditional D and D role playing games as a little more video game.
2: No, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah.
0: Which is, which is not, it's like, you know, chicken or the egg thing. Like the, D&D probably came before most of those video games, but it's this like, you know, you start here, you you're kind of useless. And as you as you level up, you get more more powerful. Like the characters that you play in in Star Trek are supposed to be Starfleet officers. Like even even Worf in season one of Next Generation is still like he's he's achieved the goal of being the first Klingon in Starfleet. Like he's not super useful compared to Riker or Picard, but he's still reached a certain level of, of accomplishment. He's not, you know, a kid from a village who barely knows how to swing a sword, whatever I'm, Jumping around in metaphors. No, I got there, that. But. I
1: mean what's interesting, if I if I may, um, about Star Trek Adventure compared to D and D is that eventually you get into D and there is a fight. You roll for initiative, and it's pretty much you follow the rules. You roll the dice, and you basically say, I throw Mm -hmm. this, or I hit with this, or I cast this spell. Does it hit? How much damage does it take? Star Trek, intriguingly, which I love, because I think one of the great things about Star Trek, the series and the movies, is the storytelling and the complexities of the character. It really opens up the idea that you kind of have to be a good storyteller to be good at the game. It really... It encourages the players to use their imagination and their creativity a lot more I would say than D and d I mean D and d you can roll to see what the weather is. I mean they've taken care of everything. You can literally <laughs> roll a d20 to say, how hard is it raining? Um, but in, in Star Trek Adventures, it says, no, we're not going to give you that. We're going to basically say, you have this skill. How do you think you would use that in this situation? And it encourages the players to think outside the box and use their storytelling ability to decide how well they play the game, which I really appreciate. However, if we're just talking about, you know, um, evaluating it. Other people may not enjoy that. Some people probably like the security of D D, where everything literally you can roll for your name. I mean, it's, right? It's clear right. there. Are this rules. is a little bit more like you yeah, know, If go you're ahead.
0: gonna if you're gonna jump if you're gonna jump over this thing, well, obviously that's acrobatics. Right. You know, right. there are. You know, I've I, most of my experiences in Pathfinder, which people call D and D. 3.75 or... It uh, is, yeah. Is it? Right, I, think right. that's, I only I think, know that because Mike told right, me. Right, right, I think right that's way. the so, right number. And you have like... You have your basic six... Five or six stats. And then you have whatever, like... 20... Um, attributes or whatever they're called. Like acrobatics, sleight of hand, bluff, perception. All of those. Or your, your stats are your, you know... Strength, constitution, dexterity. And... So everything is spelled out for you. Where in Star Trek Adventures you have um, six attributes and six focuses. The focuses are the Star Trek um, departments, like engineering, medical, uh, command, and attributes are your inherent abilities, like insight. Um, shoot, insight, control, fitness. And so when you're doing any given thing, um, the DM has final say, but you say, what what are you what are you trying to do? How are you trying to do it? Like are you are you gonna run and jump recklessly over this thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, well then that's daring and and um security sure. or whatever. Or are you gonna, you know, Try and knock a branch on like it's it's all driven by by the storytelling by the narrative, which is a it's a unique kind of challenge, expe- especially for me as a first time dm I think ironically, and uh, we haven't played that many sessions, so it's hard to say, but I think on the on the spectrum of of players we have and their their relative knowledge or familiarity with the franchise. I think you Fox are on the lighter end of, of Star Trek knowledge. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm going somewhere Can with we this, just before I where, kick
1: your um, mind. <laughs> let's see where you go. And then I said, how heavy the two, club As I swing at you. Good. M- no, go ahead. My, my, my other
0: two players who are, who are not present with us, Chris and, and Pat are probably on the more, um, familiar, quote unquote, educated side of, of the star Trek universe and, and lore, they are more likely to like, Oh yeah. All we got to do is, you know, reset the pattern buffers in the teleporters. And like, they're looking for the, the Deus ex solution that they remember from, you know, season three, episode 12 of next generation, you know, where Picard solved this problem where you, without knowing, without being familiar with all of those stories, um, can approach the storytelling a little more uh, naturally organically. I'm not sure the word I'm looking for there, but um, no,
1: I get what you're saying
0: without those, without those preconceptions, those those preconceptions or, or like tropes is a better word because they're like, you know, you spent, they spent the whole episode talking about this and the, the story wasn't really about the problem and the solution to the problem, it was about the things that happened to the characters along the way.
2: So here, I wanted to while listening to that, I I want to interject with something. This is me okay. this is me going back from playing D D from when I was a little when I was a kid. Um, and yeah. all the way through till today. Uh, so it's kind of got a historic bent to it. The the thing about D D chain mail or role-playing games back in the eighties and nineties um, or when they were out in the seventies or whatnot, it held with tactical minis and everything else from the roots is that the, the kind of people that it drew in were the kind that didn't have the abilities that they wish that they had. Like I can't bend hmm. bars and lift gates and I can't, you know, pick up a, a, a keg and throw it across you the cavern can't. or swing a sword uh-huh, right. See, exactly. Uh, but you know, you, you, weren't that kind of people. You were generally the, 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 the statty smart nerdy kid. Um, so to be able to put everything down and have control over, I, if I decide I want to put some points in being charismatic or I want to put it in horse riding, I can, and therefore I can just roll. And I have a really good chance to be able to do those heroic things that I want to do, um, without someone else telling me, Without some uh, bully or uh, popular kid or person in charge telling me, "No, you can't do that because I don't want you to, mm-hmm. It's just a role. So when a lot of times, even DMing back then it was like,, um, I want to run my horse over to the thing. well, it's it's in the book How you Run the horse." And there's stats that you can write about that you know you're going to roll to ride that horse, and you know that's going to be. It can't be a DM just saying, uh, "No, you can't do that because um, I don't think it's cool,"
0: you know, or "I think you're dumb," or yeah, "I don't which like." Which is you.
1: the worst thing to do, yeah?
0: <laughs> because right. I said so, so. So, so, so all all of that to say, it's. Uh, it's like escapist wish fulfillment. Yeah, it is. And, and I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be
1: derogatory. I'm no, no, no. No, I think
2: it's, Great. It that's it. a good way of putting
1: it. it I mean, I think you mean, yeah, mean it in the most positive way. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's why we play games, right? It's why we watch movies. It's because we right. want some escapism mm-hmm. and we want to identify with the characters that we're either playing right. as we're watching
2: and the and the thing the yeah. thing is is that you have to play with a, a dm a person in control, and I know a lot of times when you're playing with those kind of people they're not social people, so to be able to have somebody else tell you that you can't do something or you can't you're not good at this just because you know you can't say no my I have a, an eighteen in strength, I am good at that, and you can't dispute that whereas n- nowadays it's it's a little different because people are involved in role playing games that aren't that kind of person anymore. They're just, I guess, more socially, uh, normal, normative or whatever. And they um, have friends and they together. And th- therefore you, and I'm speaking generally on all this stuff here, but you get a lot of people <laughs> who can, who can have her cool DMS it. who are chill with like, you know, letting things have fun and, and, and tell storytelling and do things like that. Um, so you can have what I think Dennis has said, cooperative storytelling, where That's it's, the best it's not it a lot driving. of rules. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of rules, it's not it's not a lot of this. It's just kind of whatever, but when in that situation, you have a great 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 control on the storyteller. And the the players have a lot less control because they can't they can't say, "No, no, no. I can totally do that because my strength is 18." Because a lot of the, the the less stats you have, the less rules you have, the more in control of the one single storyteller has. And that I know that people who I players I've played with in the past would never play those kind of systems. They'd never play our Star Trek system because they would be like, "Oh, you mean I'd have to? It's what Dennis wants me to do. You know, it's it's only works what Dennis says that I wanted to do it. Well, I have to play whatever Dennis wants to play and play the well, way Dennis. I wants mean, we've play. not. That's not we've, not the we've way talked is, about.
0: Yeah, we've talked about my my experience Star Trek role playing back in the day which um ironically is maybe not ironically it's very similar to um a D type system except with no no actual rules it's really just yeah right um, it's the pen and paper know, or opinions. the email right and and i as i as one player would often be frustrated at the dm and the captain's tolerance of another player's Writing because it was online. It was all writing, which has its own sort of it's a different thing, right? Because you have more time to, you know, phrase your words. It's like cooperative short story writing more than more than cooperative storytelling. And I'm like, why is this guy? He has Victorian furniture in his quarters. Like, that's not a thing that would happen. And they're like, what? He's not hurting anybody. And, you know, of course, that was me oh projecting. whatever 15 ish years years ago yeah. and my my sort of whatever the person that i was at the time Yeah, and so you know that's that's one of the things that i try to balance you know it's it's weird ish yeah that we have a character who's a ferengi right you know if i if i really if i was still 20 year old me i would have been like no you can't be a Frang- <laughs> like nog was the first Ferengi you don't you don't that's dumb just right. be human or a Vulcan Something or like Colin, maybe yeah. even andorian if you if, if you want right. but you know he he wants to he wants to still be a capitalist in star trek yeah well
2: and i'm not saying that, that any of those are, are wrong or bad i guess my, my point to the whole thing was that um seeing how, why I think there are some systems, especially the older ones that are so rule and stat based and how that's progressed Mm. to today where there's a, a, as Fox said, a large array of different kinds of role-playing systems and things like Star Trek have tailored themselves to the rules, light uh, narrative storytelling from the cooperative way. And that's one thing I've, I've gained from that is learning to, to, you know, meld myself into what the story, what, like, not necessarily what you want it to be, but what the story needs me to be instead of what I want it to be within that story. Um, So it's kind of like part of the whole or part of the cast. It's it's just different, you know, and you have, and the thing is is when you have different groups of people, I've been in so many different groups and there are just so many different makeups and different kinds of friends and what they want and what they do and what and how they think, that it's (laughs) nice that today we can have The Star Treks, or the Fireflies, or the Warcraft role playing games,
0: and well, yeah, I mean the 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 video game style of RPG has been has been done to death. Yeah, sure, right. Like, like you know, I don't I don't need to manage all these stats and roll. I mean, I've played a dozen, easily a dozen mobile games where they're like if you give this person this item the thing and if you upgrade it with these stats and you make these microtransactions like you know that's now that's not yeah 30 years ago when when you know whatever Baldur's gate and that's not 30 years ago but you know what i mean um it's like all these stats and i'm like i don't want to manage a spreadsheet to play a video game (laughs) and that's video games like where where the the software is doing all the math for you like right i don't I definitely don't need to do that in a in a role playing game. And Darn millennials! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> with the I played I played part of one campaign and one session of another of Pathfinder with one group of people and like three sessions with another group of people and they were completely different. Um, one was one was very numbers combat centric. Like there was some story, but it was really just you know, trying to get us into these combat scenarios. And the other was, was led by a guy who was, um, a LARPer not to be, you know, I'm not, not saying that to be derogatory, but like that was his different way of thinking of things. His, his point is context. Like it was, there were no maps, no minis. It was just like, yeah, we're going to do this combat thing. And an NPC did most of the fighting. Like we followed along and helped like, it was really more about the story. Um, and as, as we've talked about at length, on and off the air I don't think Star Trek works any other way like if we were doing Firefly or even Star Wars like I could see the like the loot and the combat and the levels all making sense but Star Trek is this strange kind of like liberal utopia post scarcity world where none of those concepts really make any sense
2: pre pre or pre new track at least right
0: right right
2: hey so i know we're running a little bit on uh, on time here um there was one thing that uh i know you guys wanted to talk a little bit we can spend a couple of minutes on it uh the adventure zone podcast now i've not listened to that but you both
1: that's a great transition though to be fair
2: (laughs) (laughs) have you have you fox you listen to that podcast as well
1: uh, I do. Uh, I am caught up, so I am current on does. everything. The is, is yeah. I think Dennis is probably a little bit more of a nubile than I am. Okay,
2: so so what? Yeah, about? I mean, tell, I, tell me, I'm I'm a complete like in the dark. What's it about?
0: I'm a little I'm a little uncomfortable with Fox's use of the word nubile.
1: But <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, it's only for private when I call the, <laughs> you, you call know, behind those doors. Uh, right. So,
2: so what's it about? Someone, someone, give me a like. What's this? It says Adventure Zone podcast. What,
0: what is that? Go ahead, Fox.
1: Yeah, sure. So this comes to us from the um, the, uh, gosh, Maximum know. Fun. Yeah, it comes from Maximum Fun. I'm trying to think what their la- last name is. Um, McAvoy. McAvoy. Thank you, uh, <laughs> McAvoy Brothers. Who are eventually they started doing a podcast called My Brother, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. And they decided to do a show where they were going to introduce their fathers, three brothers, to the world of D&D. And so they start out doing a very basic D&D podcast adventure, almost like a radio serial. Um, it then evolved into a great epic quest, which became just fantastic in terms of the character building and narrative and storytelling and was a really, uh, a little bit of a cult hit, I would say. Um So there is this first sort of, I hate to call it uh, show, but that's basically what it is, where they call it Balance, Adventure Zone Balance. And it is based mostly in the DD world. It does go into a different um, game system. And since then, they've concluded that, Rather epic story. And now they're trying to do mini shows afterwards using different types of game systems to tell mm. mini adventures uh, that are not D and D based. But I would say they are most well known for doing this very, very long, rather interesting, intricate, complex, and I would say comprehensive D and D story that starts out kind of familiar to those who are um, well-versed in 5e lore and the Forgotten Realms, um, especially in Faerun, and then sort of deviates as they basically organically build the story. Uh, th- that was not a short description, but that's <laughs> probably pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I think I'm somewhere somewhere around like the 12th, 15th-ish episode. Um, as, as previously mentioned, I had a lot of time this last week monitoring Shopfax. <laughs> Which gave me a good opportunity to put headphones in and put hearing protection over those headphones to drown out the uh, the the shop vac sound and catch up on some of that material. I'm to the point where they, a couple episodes ago, have left the planet where Rune is, I believe you named it earlier in the in the show yeah and they don't
1: they don't actually call it tears of saloon that's where it totally deviates they go to some moon base they go
0: to a, they go to a moon base and and receive an epic quest from a a woman who is the whatever their quest well, giver <laughs> <laughs> I, I I forget any of the details of that but the, they they receive an epic quest to um acquire and potentially destroy the remaining six, uh, magical. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Weapons of mass destruction. You're a wizard, Harry. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there are, there are a lot of things without, without getting too inside baseball. Like there are a lot of moments in this, in this storytelling that I, that I really enjoy. I have the unique situation of being one of four brothers, and so it's interesting to me the way that these brothers interact with their dad in this in this situation that I don't you know I I I sort of wish could happen with my family, sure. but is not, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, my, my, my life is not gonna end over that. But um, just interesting moments where, you know, one of them says something offhand, like those are the the memorable memorable experiences for me in the the few times that I've played Pathfinder or D and D where somebody does something and somebody says something either in character or out of character that makes everybody laugh. And it's just that it
2: comfortable and sort and of
0: camaraderie experience. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going through the cave and there's, there's some, there's a freshwater spring and uh, Griffin McAvoy, the the DM says, you guys can all, you know, it'll restore your health. You can all take a spring break. And then he immediately goes, "Oh God, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that." <laughs> and their their dad goes, "Woo, spring break! Let's go see Kenny Chesney." <laughs> oh, and the, it's the, like the sun, air. The,
1: yeah, it's great. The, the, air. the sun is
0: like you on spring break. You would go see Kenny Chesney. It's <laughs> like I don't know, that was only the first thing I could think of. <laughs> God, so so just, just to have the 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 amateur players, uh, and I'm not using the word amateur derogatorily like new new players coming to the system going you know uh the one character the one player names his character taco and so he at various times throughout this like serious elaborate story that the dm has has written is like looking for opportunities sort of out of character for his character to discover tacos <laughs> like all of the all of the requisite components like ground beef and sour cream and and spices and <laughs> you know all of the shredded cheese and all of this stuff He's like trying I'm to early in name it name it after himself in this story it's, name it's it like, himself. It's, like yeah. this, it's like this meta quest he has he has Put himself on. That's funny. Yeah,
1: it's good. I will say. I actually started listening to it to learn how to play D anD. d So, I mean, I thought I I sort of identified with Clint, the father, who really has no idea how this game system works. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to learn how to be a player, and that's how I listened to it first. When when I some people approached me and said, "Oh, we think you'd enjoy this," and then I went back and re-listened to it to become a better. Uh, dungeon Master, because I think Griffin McElroy, who who runs the show, is a very good storyteller. And knows how to facilitate gameplay. He is constantly like, "Let's move things along." He's never ever telling the players they can't do anything, and he's always keeping a high level of enthusiasm. He loves every decision they make, and that's what a DM (laughs) should do: um, is basically say, "You did that. I didn't expect that at all. That is awesome. Let's run with this." You know, and that's 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 sort of the, the the goodness that I got out of it. Um, so I encourage a lot of people, you know, either you're going to love D&D and know the game and then find it very intriguing given the decisions they make, or you're going to be new to it. And I think you can approach this as well from that perspective and learn how it's played or learn why people like it.
2: This definitely sounds like something I, I should check out. There's, there's, I've been.
1: Mike, you'd love it.
2: Yeah, there's I, no question. I've been look. very hesitant on a lot of like role playing game podcasts, just be, or even like video streams. Because
1: I've of, tried several and I, sure this is definitely time. the best.
2: Good. That, that's good to hear because I, I, I'd like Until to. Until we do
1: one. Until, <laughs> Until we do we one do collectively, <laughs> this is the best. This will eventually <laughs> be the silver medal, but right now, You're they're in first place. Go, well, that, that is <laughs> good. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, the,
0: the the thought has definitely crossed my mind of of running tape. Uh, running tape. Of recording <laughs> oh, our our Star Trek Adventures sessions and the I you know, the irony of that is that I'm the youngest of the three of us <laughs> here. And and our our entire Star Trek Adventures group, which is a an interesting situation for me to be in, but uh yeah, of 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 rolling tape during those play sessions and posting that up. Even if it's just for pete and trotsky and our other friends who aren't playing just to like, hear the if ridiculousness if yeah. they were, yeah. really want to sit and listen to to fox and chris making jokes for two and a half hours
1: <laughs> right i make i make bleep jokes not bleep jokes <laughs> right right <laughs> we
2: we, we ha- right, it would right. be definitely not uh itunes appropriate i can tell uh, after on that they, one. Have, so, a, they for, have a they have a
1: designation
2: sure. oh do they there would be
1: Oh yeah, not clean explicit. That's explicit. that's us. That that that'd be the one. <laughs> well, hey Fox, thanks for coming on with us tonight, buddy. Oh my gosh, thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure. It's a real honor <laughs> to, to, awesome. to hang out on the porch with you guys and and talk the good stuff. So hey, I really appreciate
2: it. Tell everybody how to get to uh, to the Geek Scholars Movie News site.
1: Well, it's funny you ask, Mike. No, um <laughs> fun, dude. we are we are on Apple Podcasts. We are everywhere you can find podcasts, uh Stitcher or whatever uh, app you use, geekscholars.com. Write to us at mail geekscholars.com, find us all on social media. Uh we are always happy to uh to answer anything uh anyone asks of us.
2: And we and, and uh Fox is only part of the team there. Got a great people over there with Chris and Jill. You guys should go listen to them there. We're super awesome, super fun, and they're way shorter than us, in good a stuff. very good, concise, amazing <laughs> way that we should like m- try to model and emulate a lot better. They get
0: you guys. You guys get to the point in the, in a way that we've not. <laughs> we will. I don't it's think we we'll called a
1: script. Called a script.
0: Yeah, I I think we have to have a point before we can. Uh, <laughs> Let's
2: try besides, I have to a script. We have a point well again fox thanks for uh, coming on buddy uh
1: oh um, gosh thank you guys you know i always love doing this you bet uh so for the front
2: porch this is michael and dennis have a good night everybody
0: good night guys